You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, as businesses struggle to survive another round of lockdowns, we'll hear from a city official about what kinds of support are available from San Francisco for small businesses and their workers. Sometimes people just feel like they're uh, living in a void without information. And giving them that real-time information is essential for them to have some confidence that the city is thinking about them. And then also talking about what's available at the state level, what's available at the federal level to support small businesses during this time so that we can do some translation about what's coming online, uh, what we should be expecting, so that there is that hope that people can be feeling that there is some level of support out there for them during this time. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org. You've almost certainly seen the fundraisers pop up for your neighborhood mainstays, cafes, bars, restaurants, that have been struggling to survive indefinitely extended shelter-in-place orders. And of course, the fallout lands on the workers at these businesses, many of whom have been without work for months. Governments at all levels, city, state, and federal, are offering up various forms of aid. In San Francisco, many of those supportive programs for businesses and workers come through the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. Its director, Joaquin Torres, sat down with me for the second time during this pandemic earlier this week to talk about how the city is trying to help. A lot has changed, but somehow a lot has also stayed the same since the last time that we talked. At that point, there was this glimmer of hope of reopening, and now all that has been walked back. Outdoor dining and indoor dining are suspended. Retail is back to lower capacities. We're still in a big wave of cases, and things are just grim for many businesses and workers. I'm wondering if you could start with just personally, what are your top priorities for seeing the city's businesses and their employees through this second lockdown? I think the most important thing, and you really hit it on the head, Laurel, and just in terms of the the needs of small businesses right now and the amount of impact that they're facing right now, just for all of them to know who are listening to this podcast, that the city is working extremely tire- tirelessly um, to figure out how best to support them with the resources that we can bring to bear. Um, those resources are both grants Um, and or new loans programs like the ones that we just announced, plans that we announced last week, supporting those workers who are impacted by potential business closures and the vaccine itself, um, like the Right to Recover program that we just um, announced of the increased funding there. But I think even more importantly right now is the clarity that we can provide to small businesses, the clarity of what is actually happening today, what is the process for vaccination, what is the process for reopening, what is known today, um, what is not known, and being very clear with a small business community member and the business community at large about what we're focusing on and what will allow us to start seeing the activity that will allow us to live our lives again, uh, to make our livelihoods again, to get back to work again, um, and albeit in a different way. The, the tiny bit of silver lining that I see in what we are going through 
during this time is a different way for the city bureaucracy to understand the multitude of needs um, and also sacrifices that small business owners on behalf of themselves, our city and their employees make and need from us uh, in order for them to be successful if we want to be the city that we want to be. When you say clarity, what kind of clarity are business owners seeking from you? I know you're meeting with people a lot. I'm sure they have a variety of concerns, but where are they most confused or frustrated and what kind of clarity do you have to offer them? Yeah, I think it's it's all around making sure they know where to go for information, doing some mm-hmm. translation of, say, um, uh, vaccine rollouts, um, uh, those conversations, again, like what is or what is not known, uh, letting them know that there will be announcements forthcoming uh, just as early as last week when we were having conversations of when are when is San Francisco going to get going with um, uh, additional sites for vaccinations and then the announcement shortly thereafter in terms of the three uh, mass vaccination sites that the city has identified, letting people know that that work is underway because sometimes people just feel like they're uh, living in a void without information. And giving them that real-time information is essential for them to have some confidence that the city is thinking about them. They need to be hearing that uh, much more often than I think we're used to as a city in providing that information. Um, Day-to-day conversations make a huge difference. Community conversations make a big difference. Um, And then also talking about what's available at the state level, what's available at the federal level to support small businesses during this time so that we can do some translation about what's coming online, uh, what we should be expecting so that there is that hope that people can be feeling that there is some level of support out there for them uh, during this time. So I was mostly planning on talking about support programs from the city, but since you bring up vaccines, I mean, how far out are we from vaccines being available to workers at most small businesses in San Francisco? Because my understanding is right now we're at a place where we're thinking about people over 65, people in um, long-term care facilities and healthcare workers. Yeah, that's right. I, I, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm having to provide some guidance to my family of the, the link that was just provided today so people can read right. and know where they can fall into um, uh, the tiers, when they can expect to work directly with the city. Um, uh, for those that might have some barriers to uh, uh, health programs or health partners, they're, they're through their private uh, uh, health uh, partners. Um, uh, also know exactly when to reach out to their private health providers so they can get that information. It's still a work in progress. I mean, right now it's about organizing and knowing that there is a tiered phase, that we're not fully there yet, but that we're setting up the infrastructure so that people can be directed once we have that information in place. Mm-hmm. Last time we talked, we already had a little bit of a discussion about several city programs for workers and for businesses, which are supported by the Give to SF Fund. And that's a public-private partnership. And from what I understand, it's supported entirely by philanthropic dollars. How much is left? And at what pace are funds coming in? Um, right now, the, it's pretty diverse. And so I can't speak to all of the Right to Recover programs. Um, but certainly as it relate, uh, related to small businesses, um, uh, and our collective needs, it's, it's ongoing, uh, the needs that we have. Our, one of our main focuses has been on uh, increasing philanthropic investment and the Right to Recover program. Uh, that's why it was so important for, uh, I think, both funders and the city to see that we were making an investment of 
uh, unused uh, healthcare security ordinance dollars to support um, additional individuals who could benefit from that program. But we still do need to raise funds um, beyond the 4.5 million that we raised uh, supporting approximately 3,200 San Franciscans to date uh, through those resources. Um, so it's, it's not just about the philanthropic investments, but also about the investments that we as a city can make as well that align and complement, expand on what we anticipate from the federal government moving forward, what we uh, have seen be announced by the state in terms of additional relief programs in the form of grants uh, and low interest loans. Um, all of those investments are making a huge difference right now. So it's looking at the full landscape of resources that can be made available for those so who need them. I think I'm not understanding something correctly. When you say looking at the full landscape of resources, are you talking about a variety of different funding sources that go into give to SF and from there into programs no, like no, no, uh, no, no. to Recover? It's a combination of um, uh, of the programs that that give to SF can support, but most mm -hmm. uh, but most specifically from a small business perspective and a worker perspective, what additional resources can the state and local and federal governments bring to bear as well? It's a right. uh, it's a comprehensive approach of being able to leverage private dollars, philanthropic dollars uh, uh, in uh, together with both state and federal funds and local funds that can make a difference. So, for example, you know, the uh, the state program that announced uh, s small business grants up to twenty five thousand dollars, their additional low interest loan program to provide additional flexibility to micro enterprises. Uh, those that were existing in about the 2.5 million in annual revenue um, uh, being considered and additional changes may be made to that program. Uh, forthcoming federal investments that we are waiting to see um, post the inauguration of uh, uh, soon to be uh, inaugurated President Biden and Vice President Harris um, and some of the additional relief funds that they've talked about that we want to see the details on to see how those can further support the uh, recovery efforts that our small business and neighborhoods and communities need. So the reason I ask about Give to SF and how much is left there is because there are some programs that, to my understanding, are supported entirely by Give to SF funds. And so I'm just curious if there's a way to know sort of how far we are, how far we've, how much we've exhausted that pot. Um, well, the pot has been fully, fully exhausted in terms of the dollars that we have raised to date. There are some additional uh, investments that have been made. Uh, at a smaller level, um, mm. which support um, more intricate programs or very, very specific needs. For example, some of the funding, and I don't have the exact uh, detail in front of me right now, mm -hmm. some of the, but some of the funding that went for holiday food security items and providing turkeys for those, um, for, for Thanksgiving holiday meals mm -hmm. um, for families. But in terms of some of the larger investments for Give to SF, uh, the, the level of funding that we've done right now, those resources have been exhausted. Mm -hmm. There is a ton of information on the city's website, which is good, but I think it can be a little overwhelming because there's, like we've already mentioned, federal, state, city programs, and they're all on the same page. And looking specifically at city programs, I wanted to distinguish between three different programs that are available through the city to support people who need to take sick leave. There's the Right to Recover program, which is open. There's the San Francisco Paid Sick Leave Ordinance, which, as I understand it, is not a program to apply to, but an ordinance. And then the city will also pay up to 40 hours of additional paid sick leave time available through the Workers and Families First program, mm -hmm. although that fund limit has been reached from what I see on the city's website. So, so of these three, what's currently available to workers who need to take sick leave and how can they get it? 
Certainly. So one of the most important aspects of the Right to Recover program, and we know there's a lot of programs out there, um, most specifically, it's that when someone tests positive and really focusing on the need to have people quarantine, they need to have the security to do so effectively. Some of the paid sick leave programs and the flexibility that those programs provide when you have them are, are, are there for this reason right now in terms of providing that level of economic security for individuals to be able to take that sick leave and have the economic compensation that goes along with it. There are, there are others who may not have that opportunity uh, for a variety of reasons. The Right to Recover program was created specifically to address those who did not have access uh, to a level of economic security through their employer for a variety of reasons. So that when they test positive, they are asked, are you in need of economic relief to help you quarantine safely? Um, the reason and purpose of the Right to Recover program that Mayor Breed and Supervisor Ronan announced last year was the importance of having that quarantine funding available at the minimum wage level so that that individual could uh, quarantine safely. Um, that program is currently available right now. The city announced today an additional $6 million, albeit restricted, uh, in terms of who can benefit from those funds. The employer would have had to pay in uh, and set up a, a health care account for their business um, for us mm. to, be able to provide and make use of those funds. So we still do need to raise additional dollars to support that program comprehensively, but it certainly does provide a cushion and also a, um, an example that the city is finding creative ways of investing in that program. Um, so really, it's taken care of through the testing model where an individual tests positive, they're uh, confidentially uh, engaged by the Department of Public Health to ask them that question. Those questions were asked uh, again today um, to begin to find out who is in need of those resources to help them quarantine. Yeah. And when you say that an additional $6 million have been invested, where did those come from? Uh, th that came from uh, unused healthcare security ordinance funds. So mm. you might have heard the mayor talk about today. Um, uh, she talked about uh, some of the dollars that were made available uh, individual uh, to industries like restaurant workers um, or grocery store workers whose employers may have paid into that account and they might have needed some additional compensation during this time because of a variety of reasons, hours of operations, um, work hours that were available that they were able to draw down $500 from that account. That was a partnership with labor who helped establish those funds. Uh, the same approach is being taken as it relates to right to recover so that those funds could be made available, those unused funds, we would have the flexibility um, to be able to draw down from them to support people who needed them today. Mm -hmm. A little bit, zooming out here a little bit away from individual programs, do people who are looking for aid, like a worker who just needs to figure out a way to be able to quarantine safely without losing their job or, or you know, facing food insecurity, do they have to apply for each of these programs separately? Is there any way to have a single screening for a worker or business that shows them what they might be eligible for from the city, the state and the federal government? Certainly. And that's what we're working on in real time, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, it's all happening so fast in terms of what is the state providing, what is the city providing, what may the federal government provide, um, that there's a level of coordination that exists through the hotlines that we've set up both for small entrepreneurs um, and uh, workers, um, uh, workers who are seeking assistance, um, accessing those hotlines, accessing our website, calling those numbers that are there um, gives you a culturally competent way of accessing those resources so that if we do not speak the language directly that you need to be spoken in, we can find someone who does um, pretty quickly and get back to you very quickly with some of that relief. 
people can email us. Uh, people can also just call us directly uh, to get the information uh, uh, that they need so that that wraparound level of assessment can take place. That's also what takes place when someone tests positive um, uh, for the COVID vaccine. What additional resources may they need beyond economic relief? Are you hungry? Do you need additional food? I mean, some of the most basic needs that people need assistance with. That's the same approach that we're taking through the community models that we've set up, like the mission hub that we've spoken about before, but also Mm -hmm. just in terms of the bureaucratic models of replicating those level of wraparound services so that someone isn't getting ping-ponged around um, or pinballed around um, from bureaucracy to bureaucracy to get a singular city resource made available to them uh, comprehensively. That's the that's the goal that we have. So when you say they can just call, what's that number? Oh, certainly. I, I would say that probably the easiest thing for someone to do is to call 311. Uh, mm-hmm. It has to be connected. I would direct them to our website, um, oewd.org. Um, to click in on both all the comprehensive list of resources that we have listed there, but also the individual numbers for either small businesses or workers uh, to uh, to reach out to. We'll get back to this conversation with Joaquin Torres in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. KSFP would like to thank the awesome, forward-thinking, institutional supporters of the San Francisco Public Press, including the San Francisco Foundation, the James Irvine Foundation, the Riva and David Logan Foundation, Craig Newmark Philanthropies, the Inasmuch Foundation, Renaissance Journalism, and the California Endowment. You can see our full list of funders at sfpublicpress.org about. Let's hear more from Joaquin Torres, director of the Mayor's Office of Economic and Workforce Development, about city aid available to workers and businesses during this lockdown. Let's talk about business relief. Last week, Mayor Lennon Breed announced a $62 million business relief plan, which will come in the form of more than $12 million in grants and around $50 million in loans with low or no interest. This will need approval from the Board of Supervisors, but assuming that it receives that approval, who will be prioritized for those grants and loans? That's a question that we're exploring right now. So, mm. uh, as I mentioned, you know, some of the conversations we're having with community stakeholders, um, we want to make sure that people are giving us what is most important for them. In the beginning, when we started this program, when we didn't realize how long we were going to be impacted by COVID, we had a different approach. It was a much more uh, first come, first serve approach um, that was grounded in our announcement of fee and tax deferrals an announcement that we made in Chinatown, uh, very different times before the shelter-in-place order was implemented, right? Um, uh, During that time, Chinatowns across the nation were being severely economically impacted because of xenophobia and misinformation being spread about the, the catalyst for coronavirus at that time. Shortly thereafter, when we made additional investments in grant dollars, we immediately changed the parameters of the program in conversation with community partners, in conversation with the Board of Supervisors, in conversation with the mayor around geographic equity, and then also deepening the areas where we were doing work. We call them our opportunity neighborhoods, Bayview, Lower Fillmore, Chinatown, Excelsior, the Mission, uh, Mid-Market, and the Tenderloin to ensure that we were continuing that stabilization work we were doing in those predominantly uh, historically recognized neighborhoods, low-income neighborhoods, where we knew there was going to be additional needs. We then expanded that work to provide micro-grants for both women entrepreneurs that would be made available to women entrepreneurs and also very specific neighborhoods where we had been making investments 
uh, in the past. Now we're trying to find out, well, how long have you been impacted by coronavirus? How, how have you been able to operate during this time? What are the workers that will be supported by investments that will be made? How will we prioritize those who are deeply, deeply in need, recognizing that it'll take more than our investments, more than the state investments, more than forthcoming federal investments uh, to make our small businesses whole. Um, so this is just one approach that we're taking right now in terms of the grant program. In terms of a loan program, that is still a conversation that's taking place in terms of how much we can leverage through our uh, initial city investment to provide those low to zero interest loan products uh, to small business owners. Very much in terms of which are, who our partners will be will help us determine what restrictions we may have attached to that capital, but we'll be able to answer that in the coming weeks. Um, but first and foremost, we'll be going through this community-led process around how we can best prioritize and serve our holistic small business neighborhood and community needs through this grant program. I mean, you just mentioned restrictions, and I want to come back to this uh, later for some other programs, but one of the things that businesses are really struggling with, as I understand it, is rent and payroll. Can these grants and loans be used for those purposes? Yes, yes. The the, the entire purpose I talked about, um, alignment and coordination before, we wanted to ensure that we were filling a gap. Um, where we were making our resources available, being intentional about how we were investing those dollars, and also providing the flexibility uh, that we've been hearing from small business owners since the beginning of this crisis that they wanted to see from the dollars that we could make available. So that's a priority for us to make sure that there's flexibility there so that your rent can be accommodated, that your worker wages could be accommodated in addition to other costs. That's why we had very specific programs for reopening, trying to make use of the funds that we had available, small dollar amounts of up to $5,000 that would help you either reopen or help you with a shared space that you might have invested in right before we had to shut down the city again. Yep. Activities. <laughs> I mean, talk about a whiplash, uh, spending all of this time designing programs for that purpose, only to have it pulled away. I mean, we're making such great progress. But I know that there will be, hopefully, with everyone's support and wearing your mask, washing your hands, quarantining effectively, that we can make this substantial incremental progress along with vaccinations that will be made available over time that will allow us to continue moving forward as opposed to this back and forth that's extremely detrimental emotionally uh, and financially for our small business communities. So looking at the business relief page on OEWD's COVID-19 resources site, there are several state programs which are accepting applications right now, but a lot of the San Francisco relief programs seem largely closed. There are a few open ones, SF Shines for Reopening and Shared Spaces Equity Grant, which can't be used for rent or payroll, if I'm seeing this right. And then two that are open are TBD and Coming Soon. These are the SF Community Re- uh, sorry, SF Community Investment Loan and SF Relief Grant. What is available to business owners right now from the city? Um, right now, what, what's available are our equity, uh, our equity grants of up to $5,000. We encourage everyone to reach out and let us know what their needs are during this time. That will help us also inform the forthcoming relief grants that will be made available in the beginning or mid part of the coming month in February. Are those equity grants, um, are those usable for rent or payroll? Um, the, the shared spaces equity grants were specifically made for shared spaces. That's why we're mm-hmm. also providing more flexibility for the upcoming relief grant. So there's more flexibility for those funds. There are just so many businesses in dire straits. I mean, and this is true for renters. This is true for businesses. It's true. Just like everybody, everybody is struggling with this. Um, the city included. 
looking at the $62 million in this relief plan, how many businesses do you think can be helped by that program? It's not so much about the thousands of businesses that would benefit from the grant program or the hundreds of businesses that would benefit from the loan program. It's um, how many businesses comprehensively will we be able to support through a variety of resources that can be made available to them. It's a combination, for example, of the shuttered venue uh, funding that's being made available by the federal government. It's a combination of additional flexibility of the PPP program made available by the federal government in combination with some of these resources that can support. But it is important to remember, I think it's a great point, Laura, that we're only talking about a percentage of small businesses that will be benefiting from our local funds. It is certainly, certainly not enough. The most significant resource that can be made available to small businesses during this time, this is not a time that that we can realize right now, is reopening, allowing our businesses to incrementally reopening again. Uh, That's why I, I mentioned very seriously the importance of us following the rules, paying attention to social distancing, following the social distance guidelines along with the other public health guidelines of washing your hands, wearing your mask, and being smart about this right now, because the individual choices that people are making have an impact on our overall economy. And it is only by reopening substantively that we can start seeing the foot traffic come back to San Francisco that we need for small businesses to be holistically supported. Um, It's only through that reopening that we can begin to see an increase in revenue for our small businesses that's grounded in economic activity of people making a decision to shop there. It's uh, only by people right now being intentional about the resources that they may have to make specific choices to shop locally to dine locally, to let the restaurants in San Francisco who are only available for takeout or curbside pickup, for example. Um, And I'm talking about every single kind of restaurant, of being thoughtful of how can you support your neighborhood restaurant. I was just uh, taking a a, a quick little walk for air in my neighborhood in the Excelsior. I'm doing some local shopping to make sure that I'm supporting the local economy uh, here in my neighborhood and making sure that businesses are supported during this time. We all uh, need to do our part. Um, When we were thinking of making investments gift cards even for restaurants, uh, thinking of what might you might not take advantage of today, but maybe tomorrow. Each of those investments make a difference for small businesses. It can have a huge impact on your neighborhood, on their longevity, on their sustainability. Uh, so it really does take all of these efforts to ensure that small businesses are successful. I want to talk briefly about where these $62 million came from, because my understanding is that they came from the city doing quite a bit of belt tightening. And I imagine that's probably welcome news to some business owners who have sort of seen, (laughs) have sort of been subject to rules that, you know, they have no control over and they need help and and they see the city continuing to run. Um, So talk a little bit about where where these $62 million were found. Where did they come from? Certainly. So so this is um, around a $20 million dollar city investment. And our hope is that and our plan is that we can leverage a portion of those dollars to realize that $50 million in capital for the loan program. Of that $20 million, a little over $12 million is being set aside specifically for grants. The conversation that's being held right now between the mayor's budget office and city departments will determine where exactly those funds come from. But the direction has been both on what savings can we identify that will be made available for the funding uh, of these two programs, in addition to what savings can departments make uh, to realize uh, savings to make these programs available as well. So it's a conversation that's happening in real time right now. And we'll know more when we uh, present our plans to the Board of Supervisors 
at the beginning of February. Great. Well, is there anything about business relief or relief for workers that you didn't get a chance to say that uh, you wanted to talk to talk about? Um, I'm sick and tired of COVID, as I know so many of you are. And the only way for us to get past that um, is by people really taking it seriously and exercising this last bit of patience that we need to be successful for the benefit of our local uh, and regional economy. Take a moment to be intentional about your investments. Think about how to support your small businesses, your neighborhood stores, your neighborhood markets, and support them. It really does make a difference. And then you were, we were talking about the Give to SF program. Every dollar does matter. So please do consider making a philanthropic investment in Give to SF. You can simply Google Give to SF and you will find the, the link on the city website or you can search the city website for givetosf.org and be able to, to donate a, an amount of, of your choosing. And I really hope that the city does take advantage of that to support the multitude of programs that we want to see uh, realized in San Francisco to support a variety of needs, uh, some of which are so basic, just the economic su- security that people need uh, to survive in our city um, and also for our small businesses to thrive in our city. And finally, for those who are um, experiencing uh, hunger and who need support in addressing food security, those investments have made a huge difference in supporting our city, our vulnerable communities during this time, and really is an expression of our values that we've been able to do so. So I look forward to that continued work, and I look forward to coming back, Laura, and and sharing more once we have uh, additional details around relief programs or reopening. Yeah, I look forward to that too. Joaquin, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Laura. That was Joaquin Torres, Director of the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org.